turn with me to Jonah chapter 3. And I didn't know this till last week, um, but we can actually like go back to the chapter before and start reading. Who knew? I didn't know. Colton didn't tell me. So Tristan, did you know that? He didn't know either. He's not even here. He's like, I'm not reading that. Okay. So, um, so we're going to go back to Jonah chapter 2, read verse 10. The Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message, the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. He called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth and from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne and removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Amen? All right, well, my... uh, my favorite part, uh, it's not the only one, but my favorite part in this is uh, Jonah got vomited up. Let me tell you, the only thing worse than vomiting is being vomited. Ugh, right? And so, what an incredible way to start your journey, right? I'm going to be obedient to God. But isn't that kind of how that works for us? Right? We go and do our own thing, and then God has to call us back, and then we go through that holy repentance, that holy submission as we submit ourselves to God, and we become more sanctified, and God sends us out clean and ready to go. And so, take a look at this. Um, so, kind of my story along that line is that I got saved when I was 15. And uh, I, I, was, I was a pretty excitable young man. I, uh, I enjoyed the Word. I, I didn't enjoy talking in front of people. This was not a thing. I think I've told you all that before. This, man, that wouldn't have happened except by the grace of God, I'm telling you. And so when I got saved, I was pretty much a mouth in the youth group. I could talk to kids one-on-one especially, and I did a lot of that. But here's the deal. God said, hey, buddy, I need you to preach. I said, whoa, God got kicked out of heaven. Satan's in charge. He wants me to preach. I'm out. Bye. And I ran. I spent seven years in a bottle completely running from the Word of God. And I had to stay that way because any time I was sober, the Word of God would come again. And I would freak out all over again. And so I spent seven years running from God. So my puking moment, my vomit moment, was when God cleaned me up. He had to send a woman to settle me down, to straighten me out, and to clean me up. And the holy power of God... Thank God she's not here today. She'd be embarrassed. But, but because of that, when I sobered up, 
God was able to again come to me and say, I didn't relent. I did not recall. I have not repented of calling you to preach. And so go and do likewise. And so I freaked out and gathered up my senses and I went and did the next thing I knew to do, which was tell my wife. And she said, uh, wow, okay, we're in trouble. Um, I don't know how that works out, but God is incredible, and He loves us deeply, and He's passionate about you. He doesn't have to use us, you know that? He doesn't have to use you out there. He didn't have to use me. He didn't have to use Colton, but He wants to use us. How joyful that even though Jonah had completely done the opposite, had ran the other direction, God said, hey, bud, I need you to come back. And so the joy is we get a second shot. We get a do-over. And it's not plan B. How cool is that? There's, did you know there's never a plan B with God? That's not a thing. It's only plan A. This is what I planned. I knew you'd run. See, because he's holy and he knows everything, you didn't freak him out when you took off and ran. I didn't freak him out when I spent seven years in a bottle. He knew that was going to happen. And so he prepared the call on my life to go and do that. Incredible that he'll use us after our mess up, right? Incredible that he would use such a broken, cracked pot like me to come and share the gospel with you. I won't call you a crack pot, but there you go, right? So God is good and he loves us incredibly and he desires for us to be at work with him. And so verse 1 says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. That is beautiful, right? And so the next beautiful thing is, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Now, here's a cool thing kind of about Nineveh. Maybe that you didn't know. It's a a fun fact that uh, Nineveh, the name is Nanua, which means the city of a great fish. How does that work out? Oh, yeah, he got puked out of a great fish, right? You think the irony was lost on the people? Here's what I don't know. I don't know that 30 days prior that anyone from Nineveh saw Jonah get puked up. I don't know that. Scripture doesn't tell us. I don't know that they didn't either, right? So how incredible that this is at least a picture for you and me. This is at least kind of ironic for us to look at and to say, what a great God we have. Right? What a mighty God we serve, that he prepared a fish for the city of a great fish, that its name comes from Nanu, which means, you know, fish. Right? God is so cool. And so he does this, and he sends this message. Now here's the thing, he says in verse 2, and call out against the message. A call out against it, the message, right? And so, kind of literally translated, this, this means proclaim the proclamation. What does that mean? Proclaim the proclamation. That means I gave you what to say, say that. See, we freak out. We're, we're like, God, I, I'm, I'm not a good speaker. See, that's what I did when I was a kid. God, I'm, I, I cry at, at book reports. I freak out when book reports come due and I got to speak in front of a classroom of kids of my peers. God, I'm not any good at this. I think there was another guy in history. God, what was his name? Oh, Moses, yeah, Moses, right? He was another guy that didn't like to talk, right? He was like, oh, God, can you send another? I didn't get that opportunity. God said, no, you're going to go do it. I said, okay. And so here's the cool thing, though. He says, proclaim the proclamation. Say what I said to say. 
All you have to do is prepare. And God will take that preparation, not necessarily the words you learned, but the preparedness that you readied your heart for service, right? Not necessarily the words you prepped for, but the fact that you prepared. He'll take all of that, whether you learned any of the words, he'll give you the words in the moment of need, right? Right? And that, that, that's the key for going and telling the world. You just be obedient. You be a chosen vessel to share the word with a lost people, right? And so he goes into this city. I'm sure I'm way off notes because I haven't mentioned anything um, that's in here except that my story. And so this whole idea of Luke 15, 11 through 23 is the prodigal son, the story of that guy, right? And so Jonah was a prodigal son. He ran from God. I was a prodigal son. I ran from God. I went down to the pig swine, wallowed down there for a while, and God called me out. And God called Jonah out. And God is calling you out or called you out. That he still wants to use you just wraps my head around it. So, listen, if God is Lord, and he is, that's not really an open-ended question. That is fact of the matter. God is Lord. If he's Lord, then it's never no Lord. It's always yes, Lord. Because if it's no, he's not Lord. Yes, Lord. I'll go and do the things you call me to do. So then, here's, here's some, man, this, this gets me. Um, he's in this city. It's three days It's three days around this city. He goes a day in. He travels in. That doesn't necessarily mean it was a straight line. He's probably wandering the streets, and he goes in a day. But wherever he ends up in a day, he begins to share this word. Listen, I love this word. This is incredible. He says, listen, here's what I know. I'm 45 days away, because that's how far kind of Jonah was, 30 to 45 days away from Nineveh when he got puked up on the beach, right? I'm 30 to 45 days away from my, my goal, my target, and God said, go, go preach, right? I'm going to spend 30 to 45 days to bring a message, y'all. I'm talking about the heat, right? I'm bringing it hot and heavy. You're going to know I spent three days in a fish, and I don't really like you a whole lot. I'm, I'm going to burn it down, right? Here's what Jonah does. He says this, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Mic drop. Right? What? That's it? You had 35 to 40 days on the road, and that's what you come up with? No, see, he was obedient to the Word of God. God said, proclaim the proclamation. And that's what he did. And so God had prepared the people to hear that message. There was no repentance. There was no Jesus loves you. There was no kind and mushy words. It was simply 40 days, and everyone dies. Mic drop. Right? Wow. Right? All you need is to be obedient to God. When He calls you to do the thing He's called you to do, that's it. We make it complicated. We freak out. I got to know apologetics, dude. I love apologetics. No apologetics. It's fine, right? But you may not have to know it. If you don't know it, that's fine. You know your story. You know how God saved you, right? So when God saved you, He gave you a story, did He not? Tell them that story. That's the message prepared. That's the proclaim, the proclamation. Jesus saves, right? Way easier, way easier than Jonah's. 
40 days, everything burns, right? That would kind of freak me out. I don't know that I want to give that message, right? As much as I don't like the Ninevites, do I really, do I really want to give that message? Here's the, here's the neat thing. Here's, here's what happens when God's involved in the calling. When he calls you out, he's involved. Here's what happens. Verse 5, and the people of Nineveh, Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put sackcloth in, uh, on. From the greatest of them to the least of them. Hey, the people heard the message and said, repent. They didn't even know what that looked like, but you know what? I'm sorry I did this. So the, the, the sackcloth and ash is representative of a mournful broken heart. It's an outward show of what's happening on the inside. Hey, have we ever done an outward show of nothing that happened on the inside? You ever done that? Ever come to church and put on the church face and, oh, hey, brother, hey, sister? We do that, don't we? That's not this. That is not this. This is, whoa, we're destitute without a holy God. And so they repent. And this, listen, they repented so hard. I don't know if that's a thing, but they repented so hard, right, that it, the word reached the king. See, we worry about how do we impact our politicians? How do we impact our public servants? How do we reach them? Let me, let me tell you how you reach them. You allow God to revive your heart again. You allow God to change you. So let revival begin in you. When revival... Okay, so <clears throat> when revival begins in you, right? When that fire, that light, transforms you, when it moves you, Sorry, I had some burning in my eyes and God, bugs. Oh. All right. When that passion comes to you and sets you ablaze, your light will touch the multitude. You won't need fancy words. You won't need big knowledge. You will simply need this. That's it. It's all you need right here. When God touches your heart, this is what you need. You want to impact your community for the cause of Christ? This is it. This is how you do it. You let this become your guide. You let this become your warrior's manual. How do I fight a fight with this? Forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Five simple words in Hebrew, eight in English. Boom, mic drop. 
So here's the thing. Sometimes we think, I don't really have that gift. I don't have that ability to talk to people. I don't have that um, edge, the, the words. Moses kind of said the same thing. Can Aaron, can Aaron do all that talking? He's got a big mouth. Let him talk. And so that issue, right, comes up in this. Sometimes we think we have to, we have to kind of have a title. We have to be pastor. We have to, we have to be an elder. We have to be someone who, an evangelist, someone who, a prophet, someone who's educated, right? Now here's, let me, here's the definition of prophet. A prophet teaches truth and interprets the Word of God. Can you do that? Maybe not from Hebrew to English. That's translation. You're just going to interpret what is God saying, right? I think you can do that. I think you're educated enough. I think you know God's Word. At least you love God enough that He can impute to you wisdom beyond your ability. He calls, the, the next thing is, he calls, he calls the unrighteous to repentance. Can you do that? Can you call your family to repent? It's time to follow God. Can you call the family to, to, hey, it's enough of the old ways. It's enough of the old days. It's time for a new line. Can you do that? I think you can. I think God's given you a fire in your bones to tell the world. Can you go to work and share the gospel with people there? Tell them about the love of Christ? At least show them? See, I don't think there's this idea, we hear this all the time about St. Augustine of Assisi, that he said... Um, Go into town and preach the word. Use words if you have to. See, I don't, I don't think he ever said that because he's not that dumb. He says, go into the world, share the gospel, and use words. See, your life should be a light already. And then you explain why you are a light. Why do you walk into a room and it lights up? Why does that happen with you? See, God said, go live a life and then tell them, right? He tells us in the Old Testament that how will anyone hear unless someone goes and tells them? Hey, that's us. We're to go and tell. See, God set you apart for just such a time as this. Here's the coolest thing ever, okay? When we were preparing, when we had this three-day uh, kind of get-together as elders, we had this notion, Jonah is where we're going. So that was awesome. We had no idea where we were moving. We were still over at North Belton Middle School. We still were just doing that, right? We had no idea where we going. See, here's what God did. God knew we were coming here, and, and he knew that this is a place where the church is leaving, where people are leaving, but God put us here because this place, this part of the city needs light. And he prepared us for just such a time as this. He prepared you and me for just such a time as this. Did you know that? He did that before we even knew where we were going. We already had Jonah on the, not that we're special. Not, I mean, you know, we're, we're just a bunch of rednecks hanging. Well, maybe not Colton, but okay, not Okay, so I'm the redneck, but everyone else, right? This, because God loves us, he knows where we're going, and he set the path. He prepared the way. He's made it straight. All we got to do is go tell Here's the thing. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes anymore. All right. So the king repented. Has there ever been a time in our history where leadership has called for a fast and praying, a national day of prayer, a national day of fasting and humiliation and prayer? Have we ever had that in our history? How about this? George Washington, May 6, 1779. The Continental Congress said, 
hey, we need to pray. George said, I back that up. Let's do it. George Washington did that. How about this one? March 3rd, 1863, a national day of fasting and mourning was declared by President Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said, this nation needs to pray and fast and mourn. Leadership did that. All because God had a hand in touching their lives from the people. The king of Nineveh said, hey, hey, this is crazy. We need to get this fixed. The animals were in sackcloth and ash, right? Can you imagine a, a, a donkey running around in a T-shirt with some ash on his back? I, just that, man, the, the animals are even in this form of repentance. The people wanted God to know we, we are repenting. So incredible stuff that God is working this thing out. <clears throat> now, we talked about government. We're talking about government now. And this isn't a sermon on government. This is a sermon on reaching the masses. Here's the reason. See, we think we live in Temple, a small community, and it's a great little city. And, and for the most part, we're God-fearing. And, and, and we think that because we live in the Bible Belt, that most people know who Jesus is. Let me tell you how pagan we are. Have you ever heard of diversity, equity, and inclusion? That's a mask for CRT, critical race theory. I'm not going to teach on that. Go look it up. Go check it out. We have a commission that is trying to bring DEI to town. Or as Bo Snurdly likes to say, D-I-E. This is the death of America when we go down this road. We need to be salt and light in this community. And to stop thinking that we're okay because we're small town, Bible Belt, Texas. We are called of God to be a light and salt in this heretical community. It's time to stand, people. It's time to live a life that will change your family, that will change your job, that will change your community, that will change your city government, that will change your world. Are you prepared to be that radical? Are you prepared to pray for your mayor? Are you prepared to pray for Tim Davis, the city council, the DEI commission? Are you, this, listen, we can't change anything by ourselves. Nothing. Only God. Only God can change it, right? And if we don't trust that he'll do it through us, then there's a problem with us. There's a problem in your faith towards God. Trust in God. Pray for your local politicians. Pray for your pastor. Listen, if you're not praying for Colton, he has a tough job. He's got to wrangle me in. So he had no idea this was coming. He saw a small footnote, but no idea, right? And so pray for him. He gets to deal with me. Pray for Tristan. Tristan's an elder here. Pray for me. I'm an elder here. And most days I'm messed up as Hogan's goat. No idea sometimes which direction I'm going, but God, right? Because God loves us, we can know. Here's, here's what Penn Gillette says, right? Okay. And so we, we have a tendency to think that, gosh, I don't, do I really want to tell these people? Do I really want to share the good news with, with them? God, do I, they're going to make fun of me. They're going to call me squirrely. They're going to call me all kinds of stuff. But here's what Penn Teller says. Here's a quote. 
How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and to not tell them that? God calls us to love people. And I know you want to love people. You know how I know that? Because you loved me. You loved us here. We came here hurting. You loved us. So I know you love people. Jeremiah 18, 7, 10 says, <clears throat> now we're talking about a holy God who has relented. We're in verse 10. I've got to hurry this thing up. We only got minutes. Um, Jeremiah 18, 7, and 10 says, if, it, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I'll pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do it. Verse 9, and if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do it. Right? And so how incredible that God is prepared to relent either way. Be obedient, don't be obedient. Either way, there's a relenting to come. Relenting of good or relenting of bad. Our choice. Be obedient. So here's the coolest thing. Here's the thing. Here's the unintended consequences that we knew nothing about, that Jonah knows nothing about. 20 to 30 years later, in 733, the Assyrians march in from Assyria from the north, and they swoop into Israel. Now, we know about, we know about Assyria. They were a destructive lot. They killed everything in their sight. They bled out children and men, killed everything, right? That's how they were. That's why God called them to relent of the evil. King says, hey, stop doing the evil we were doing, right? He says, relent. 20, 30 years later, they march in from the north into Israel with the idea, the Israelites were thinking, uh-oh, today's the day we die. No, what they did was they exiled them. They carried them off to Assyria. God prepared this people 30 years beforehand to rescue his people from the hand of the wicked Assyrians. And they carried him off alive. How incredible that God, the, the unintended consequences are, that, and they were God's intended consequences, but we had no idea, Jonah had no idea. Salvation is coming down the road. Down the road, folks. We don't know what God's going to do here in this town. We know his heart is to save everyone. Will you pray?